You're listening to Hardwired with Jeff Wickwire. Here's what's coming up in today's edition. Prayer changes things. It changes our life. If you follow the footprints leading up to every great move of God in history, every revival, every awakening, every time God ever moved that shook the world, shook a city, shook a person, the footprints leading up to it are the footprints of prayer. There is no great move of God that is not preceded by prayer. God has chosen to answer prayer. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, pray, seek my face, turn from their wicked ways. In today's message from Pastor Jeff, he explores teachings on the beauty and power of private prayer. Join him as you uncover the transformative impact of seeking God in the secret place away from distractions. Discover the intimacy and strength that comes from cultivating a personal prayer life with your precious Jesus. Get ready to be encouraged and equipped to deepen your connection with God, experiencing the peace that surpasses all understanding. Seek out the power of an intentional prayer life with Jesus. Well, let's join Pastor Jeff in the book of Matthew, chapter 6, as he begins his message, Private Prayer. I have a vision for our church. There's something in my heart, and here's my vision. I'm believing God to raise up a mighty, interceding, praying, fervently praying prayer army this year. I'm talking about where we get together and we don't just pray, we cry out. Cry out to God. Because I believe what he has for us is on the other side of prayer. Something powerful is waiting on the other side of your prayer. Amen? Now, I'm going to preach on prayer until we get it. I'm believing for a spirit of prayer to fall upon us. Your prayer life is not going to be the same. I'm going to speak that over you. Your prayer life ain't going to be the same. It's going to accelerate, climb, grow stronger, deeper, wider. So today I want to talk to you about something that Jesus talked about in the Sermon on the Mount, and that is your private prayer life. Now, let's look at Jesus, Sermon on the Mount, right in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount, and he's talking to you and to me, and he says, Matthew 6, verse 5, and when you pray, you will not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray, standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets, that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward right then and there. But you, everybody turn to your neighbor and say, that's you. But you, when you pray, go into your room, shut your door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place. And your Father who sees in secret, wow, this is great, we'll do what everybody, say it with me, reward you openly. Now, last time, I opened a new prayer series that I just called a call to pray, a call to pray, because I'm really offering and extending and challenging us with a call to pray more than we've ever prayed. How many of you can see, looking at our culture, we better be in prayer? Amen? Now, the truth is that life goes better with prayer. Now, I'm not just going to give you little formulaic jingles. I want you to listen. These are truisms, that life goes better with prayer because you're not carrying your burdens around. They're on him. Prayer makes your load lighter, your heart brighter, your life happier. It does. 
Guarantee you. Prayer shortens the distance between you and God's best. Christians pray like humans breathe. It comes naturally because the moment we come to Christ and we say, Lord, forgive me of my sins, he puts the Holy Spirit inside of every one of us. And when the Holy Spirit comes inside of every one of us, did you know that not only is he a spirit of peace and a spirit of wisdom and a spirit who strengthens, but he's a spirit of prayer. He prays. The Holy Spirit prays. He's a praying Holy Spirit. The Bible says in Romans that he prays for us with groanings that cannot be uttered. He prays for us according to the will of God. The Holy Ghost this week prayed for you from deep down inside of you in ways that you don't even know. We have an intercessor living inside of us. So if we have within us a praying spirit, don't you think he's looking for a mouthpiece who will enter into prayer with him? He's a praying Holy Spirit. He's a praying Holy Spirit. Prayer changes things. Did you know that there are things that God has for you and me that we don't have because we haven't asked for it? And I'm adding the speaker here right now. There's things in God's will for you and me that we don't possess right now because we haven't gone to him in prayer and asked for them. James said, you have not because you ask not. Isn't that something? God's got something up there for me, and I don't have it yet because I haven't asked him for it. I want everything God has for me. How about you? So you say, well, what does he have for me that I don't have yet? I don't know. Ask him. But the Bible is clear. You have not because you ask not. Prayer changes things. It changes our life. If you follow the footprints leading up to every great move of God in history, every revival, every awakening, every time God ever moved that shook the world, shook a city, shook a person, the footprints leading up to it are the footprints of prayer. There is no great move of God that is not preceded by prayer. God has chosen to answer prayer. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, pray, seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, forgive their sin, and heal their land. Notice there's an if at the very beginning of that verse. If my people, if, if we pray. So it's a conditional promise. If we pray, God will move. If we, so therefore, we can flip that coin and say, if I don't pray, if we don't do what that verse said, the land won't be healed. There's something that won't happen. There's things that won't take place if we don't pray. Now, I want to just look at what Jesus shared with us and taught us about prayer in the Sermon on the Mount. Because nobody in the Bible, hear me on this one, not anybody encouraged prayer more than the Lord Jesus, your Savior, my Savior, nobody. And you know what? Nobody prayed like Jesus prayed. Nobody. Nobody. In the Garden of Gethsemane, he prayed so powerfully and mightily and with such intensity, he sweat as it were, great drops of blood. And the angels came and ministered to him and strengthened him and prepared him to face the cross. Nobody prayed like Jesus. So we have a praying Savior. We have within us a praying Holy Spirit. So doesn't it reason then that we should be a praying people? Come on, everybody, a praying people. Now, I just want to just start real basic and real elementary and let's just look at what Jesus said. First of all, it's very clear to me in Sermon on the Mount when in our text that Jesus expects 
is people to pray. He didn't say if you pray, he said when you pray. He expects his children to pray. He expects us to be in prayer. And he gave us all kinds of incentives to pray. The promises that Jesus attached to prayer are amazing. How about overflowing joy? How many of you like being happy? I said, how many of you like being happy? Let me see. Do you like being happy? I don't think anybody likes being sad, depressed, down. No? So listen to what Jesus said. He said in John 16, 24, you haven't tried this before, but begin now. Ask using my name and you will receive and your cup of joy will overflow. He attaches answered prayer with overflowing joy. He attaches the place of prayer with overflowing joy. Prayer gives strength in temptation. The Bible says keep alert and pray, otherwise temptation will overpower you. Jesus said that. Matthew 26, keep alert and pray or temptation will overpower you. So not only does prayer bring joy, but prayer brings power and strength and victory in the place and in the hour of temptation. Prayer is where we get our needs met. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus gave his famous trilogies, ask, seek, and knock. Now those are progressive. We begin by asking for our basic needs to be met. The place of asking is where your basic needs are met. Ask and you shall receive. He didn't say maybe, hope so, perhaps so, maybe so. He said, you will. Ask and you will. You shall receive. So there's asking, and that's where uh, prayer begins, asking for your needs to be met. My God shall supply all of your needs according to his glory. Now, the second word is seeking. In seeking, your questions are answered. This is a higher level. Ask that your needs are met, but seek and you will find. This is where you got questions. Lord, I wonder about this. I wonder about that. Where am I to go? What am I to do? Give me your will. Show me your will. Guide me in the way. Direct my steps. Lead me in the path. Shine your light on me. I need an answer, Lord. I need wisdom. Seek and you will find. So that's a higher level. And then we come to knocking. Knocking is where doors of opportunity are opened. Asking your needs are met. Seeking your questions are answered. Knocking the doors that nobody can open but him are open. Knock and it shall be opened. He is the one who opens and no man shuts and he shuts and no man opens. So we, we ask and we receive. We seek and he answers us and we find. We knock and the door is open. These are incentives that Jesus gave for prayer. Ask, seek, knock. And isn't it interesting, if you put those three together, the first letter, ask, is A, seek is S, and knock is K, it's ask. Ask, seek, knock. Ask, seek, knock. Ask, seek, knock. Ask, seek, and knock. Now, that's a call to prayer. Every one of those words are prayer words. So everybody say with me, ask, and I'll receive. Seek, and I'm going to find. Knock, and that door is going to open. Give the Lord praise. Come on. Now, next, the Lord forbids something when it comes to prayer. You know what he forbids? Prayer for show. He said, when you pray, I don't want you to be like the hypocrites who pretend piety by praying publicly on street corners and in the synagogues where everybody can see them. 
when everybody can see them and hear them and look at them and go, oh, aren't they spiritual? He said, these words really get me. He said, that's all the reward they will ever get. What reward are they going to get when somebody looks and says, aren't they something? Jesus said, lap it up. That's all you're going to get because you're not going to get anything from heaven if you pray for show. Now, we know what it is when to be in a room with somebody that prays for show. Come on, right? We, we know what that's like. You're, you're sitting there and somebody starts praying. There's a group of you. Oh, thou God, wouldest thou I pray? And they come off with King James English like Jesus spoke in King James. And after a minute or two of their praying, you're very aware that they're really not talking to God. They're talking to you. Jesus said, don't do that. Don't do that. I don't want you to do that. Now, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus always went to the heart of motive. He always dealt with motive. He said, the Old Testament said, you shall not kill. But I say to you, don't be angry at your brother without a cause, because that's what leads to killing. He said, the Bible says, don't commit adultery. But I say to you, don't let lust grow in your heart because that's what leads to adultery. He always went down to the motive. The Old Testament dealt with action, but the New Testament deals with the interior, the motive of why we do what we do. And in the Sermon on the Mount, he's always readjusting our motives. So he deals with three things that we do that are spiritual or religious, and that is praying, fasting, and giving. He says, don't pray to be seen by men, don't fast to be seen by men, and don't give to be seen by men. When the offering plate comes down the aisle, don't pull out that $100 bill and pop it. Where people behind you and around you look and go, oh, look at what they're giving. But the Bible says Jesus is watching how we give, he's watching how we fast, and he's watching how we pray. He goes, the heart of motive. He said, don't pray for people to hear you. Now, in Jesus' day, I get a kick out of this, but it was the custom of the Jews to go into the synagogues and pray standing up with outstretched, uplifted hands in the synagogues, and they did the same thing on the street corners. They would go to the street corners and lift their hands and pray really loud in those long, flowing robes and all that religious gear they wore. And people would look and go, look at that. Would you look at them? Are they not men of God? And of course, they got one eye open watching. Who watches them? And Jesus said, if you do it that way, you get your reward right then, lap it up, enjoy it, because it's all you're gonna get. But what we want is what Jesus taught. He said, I want you to learn to pray to your father in secret, where nobody looks. He said, pray to your father privately. He said, but you, when you pray, that's talking about his followers, those who really mean business with God. When you pray, now he's not coming against corporate prayer because I read this morning in my devotional that when two or more of us agree together as touching anything on earth, it'll be done by the father in heaven. He's not dissuading us from corporate prayer, but he is calling us to develop a private prayer life, a private prayer life. But you, you, my followers, my children, those who know me, when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut your door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place. That means when you go to get alone with God, God meets you there. 
You go to a secret place, you get into a secret place, he's right there with you. He's in the secret place with you. He's listening in secret as you are praying in the secret place. You've got God's eye. You've got God's ear. The minute he sees you traveling towards your secret place to pray, he meets you there. He says, well, hello, good to have you in the prayer closet. I've been waiting for you to arrive. But you, my true followers, when you pray, when you pray, I want you to learn to develop a private prayer life. Shut the door. Get into a secret place. So everybody say, pray alone. Go into a room where you can't be bothered. Shut the door. Approach God between you and him alone. And Jesus said he's waiting for you there. He's going to listen to you there. He's hearing you there. You may not sense him. You may be struggling to pray. It may seem like, wow, he's a million miles away, but you pray anyway. This happened to me last night. I went into prayer. I'm going to be honest with you. I didn't feel like praying. Anybody with me? Every once in a while, you don't feel like praying? I wanted to pray, and I knew I needed to pray, but I didn't feel like praying. But I went into the quiet place anyway. I went to the secret place. And, and, I, and I shut myself in, and I got on my knees, and I just began to pray, and I began to give things to God. And all of a sudden... I was not alone. And all of a sudden, there was a grace, and it began to flow, and it began to get so real that I stood up. I got off my knees and stood up, and suddenly Jesus was in that room with me, and you know what? He talked with me. You know, prayer is two-way. It's not just giving him your needs, but once you're done praying, then listen, because what does the old song say? I go to the garden alone. While the dew is still on the roses and the voice I hear falling on my ear, the Son of God discloses and he walks with me and he talks with me and he tells me I am his own and the joy we share as we tarry there, none other can ever know. Come on. Come on. That song is all about going to the secret place. I go to the garden alone. I get alone with God. I go where he's waiting for me. I talk to him. I give him my problems, my cares. And then I allow that praying spirit that is within me, the praying Holy Ghost, to pray through me, to put on my heart what to pray for, because he already knows. He's a praying Holy Spirit. Prayer is not twisting God's arm to do what we want him to do. It's entering into his will and praying according to his will. A very popular Christian movie about this very thing is called The War Room. And in The War Room, a woman named Elizabeth is experiencing a troubled marriage. I know that's rare, a troubled marriage. Have you ever noticed how the devil attacks marriage? A troubled marriage. And she doesn't know what to do. And during this time, she goes to work for an elderly woman named Miss Clara, who happens to be a lifelong, fervent prayer. And sensing the stress on Elizabeth about her marriage, she suggests that she fight for her marriage in a prayer closet she calls her war room. She tells Elizabeth, and I'm quoting, in order to stand up and fight the enemy, you need to get on your knees and pray. Elizabeth creates her own secret place in her own home, and there she begins to go and prays over her marriage and her family and begins to bind the devil and enter into intercession for her home. 
And the movie shows how eventually her marriage turns and is blessed and the marriage is saved. And the testimony of the movie is that the battle was won in the place of prayer. Now, I thank God for counseling. I believe in counseling. But listen, have you prayed about it? You say, well, Jeff, you know, I've talked to my friends about it, I know, but have you talked to your best friend about it? Have you gone into the place of prayer? Have you shut yourself in? And have you bombarded heaven? Have you bound the devil? Have you gone into the war room, the secret place, and prayed over the needs, the attacks, the issues of your life? Have you prayed about it? Have you prayed about it? Because the battles, the great battles of life are fought and won in prayer. We battle not against flesh and blood. You're not dealing with flesh and blood in your home. You're not dealing with flesh and blood in your marriage, not ultimately. But we are battling principalities, powers, spiritual wickedness in heavenly places, and rulers of the darkness of this world that are coming against us because we have a J on our chest. So isn't it funny how we'll do everything in the world then finally say, well, I guess I'm going to have to pray. It ought to be first response. It ought to be hit your knees right then when you know you're under attack and pray. How important is a secret place in your life and mine? The Bible reveals that all the great men and women of God, all the heroes of the Bible were private prayers, all of them. I did a little tracking Watch this, just a little bit. The patriarchs, the father of our faith, Abraham, his son Isaac, his son Jacob, built altars in every new place. You track them in the Old Testament. Every time they came to a new place in their journey, they built an altar to God, and there they prayed alone to God. Moses went up into the mountain alone and spent, it's hard to believe, but a couple of months up there And when he came down, his face was glowing in the dark. He was like a Christmas bulb. They had to turn away. They said, Moses, you're going to have to cover up your face because the glow of God is on you. How did the glow of God get on him? He went up into the mountain and he prayed alone to God. Jesus, our Savior, broke away all the time to go into private prayer. As a matter of fact, I've noticed he never made major decisions that were not preceded by prayer. Before he selected his disciples, the Bible says he went up into a mountain and he stayed all night there in prayer to God. And as the sun rose, he came down and walked to the seashore. And there was Peter and there was John. And he said, follow me and I'll make you to become fishers of men. He chose them after prayer. He did not make major decisions until he prayed through. And that's the son of God who never had a sin in his life. He prayed privately, as I've already mentioned, in the Garden of Gethsemane before he knew he was going up against the challenge and the trial of his life. He preceded it by prayer. He didn't just go into the trial of the cross unprepared. He prayed all night. He sweat as it were, great drops of blood. Even when his disciples fell asleep and didn't stand with him, he prayed alone in the garden. And I love that it says an angel came and strengthened him. Paul the Apostle, the great apostle of the Gentiles, I believe the greatest Christian that ever lived. Paul the Apostle, when he was saved, when he was knocked down on the road to Damascus, and he went blind, and he was led into a certain town and into a certain house, the Bible says he prayed. He prayed. 
And as he was praying, God spoke to a man named Ananias. And he said, Ananias, I want you to go into a certain house on a street called Straight. How metaphorical is that? In today's message, Pastor Jeff illuminated the profound impact of personal communion with God. Through these intimate moments, you can find solace, strength, and divine guidance. Embrace the transformative power of intimate prayer, drawing closer to Jesus and aligning your heart with His will. Let this message inspire a deeper commitment to cultivating a rich prayer life as you experience the boundless blessings from seeking God in the secret place. We'd love for you to have additional resources. Here's Diane with more. Are you interested in partnering with us here at Hardwired? We'd love for you to come alongside us in supporting this ministry. All you have to do is text 817-484-4767 and enter the word GIVE to donate. That number once more is 817-484-4767 and text GIVE. Thanks so much for prayerfully considering this today. And thanks for listening. Daniel has more to tell you about what's ahead on the upcoming edition. Be ready for another uplifting message from Pastor Jeff next time. Embark on a journey into the power of an intentional prayer life, exploring its transformative impact on your spiritual life. In the secret place of personal communion with God, you can find solace, guidance, and a deeper connection with Him. Uncover the beauty and significance of cultivating a rich and consistent prayer life. Let this inspiring message lead you to a closer and more intimate commitment to prayer. That's all the time we have for today. Thanks for tuning in for this edition of Hardwired with Jeff Wickwire. You can listen to more messages from this and other books of the Bible by visiting hardwired.org. Join us next time to continue our study in the book of Matthew right here on Hardwired.